Danny Clayton is a TV personality and public figure. That sounded wrong. Best known for his ebullient personality and shockingly fluid charisma. His illustrious career began when he was just a teenager, poached by an Australian music TV channel to travel the globe chatting to the world's biggest bands and artists and experiencing a coming of age that could be better described as a baptism of fire. In this episode, we sat down to talk about how he overcame the fear of live presenting, the future of the entertainment industry, the time he almost became a paraplegic, and the night he stole a boat. It's an extremely fun chat. Would recommend. Thank you for sitting with me today. It is a pleasure, Tom. Even though you might be high? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, full disclosure, yeah. uh, I did buy a vape. I'm not really a vapey boy. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not sure if it's head spins or if there's like THC in it or something. Yeah. I hope it's not. I'm not a good pot smoker. You look fine. <laughs> <laughs> I feel fine. All right, I'm going to start you off with a hypothetical. Uh, I think I might have even, even asked you this before, but um, not on camera. If the world was ending tomorrow and you had one last meal tonight, what would it be and why? So I think when people get asked these questions, they generally go to something really, really indulgent, you know, like large platters of sushi or, you know, roast. Man, I am a simple man. I just want a little, I just want a juicy steak, but cooked to perfection. Just something marbly, something just bloody, you know, just some veggies, garlic, just juicy. I, I know you can see it in your mind's eye. Of course eye. I can, yeah, yeah. And you know, when you cut it open, it's like pink in the middle and steam comes out. Yep. And just some mash with truffle oil. Actual yeah. truffles. Jam yeah. that thing. I'm going to die. Yeah. 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 Maybe in some psilocybin mushrooms <laughs> so that when the world ends, I'm like, I don't even care. Yeah. Like, whoa, cool. <laughs> ah, peace. So uh, ribeye or sirloin? Uh, I feel bad restricting you like that, but, I mean, feel free to say any steak you want. Oh, I don't know. Just one of those ginormous fillets. What, maybe a tomahawk. Tomahawk? Big tomahawk. Yeah, like a Flintstone where, steak. It, yeah. yeah. It, it takes me forever to, to get through. So I'm like... Like, wait, the world can't end. I've still, yeah. I've still got dessert coming. Something that, like, you, you feel like you want to die at the end yeah. of the anyway. <laughs> I, hope the, I hope the world ends soon. Yeah. I'm suffering. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, what is your favourite virtue and which virtue do you think is most overrated? Wisdom. Uh, is, is that a virtue? Sure. Is, is the wise wisdom like a virtue? I, I guess I, I very much admire people who have uh, not only just deep uh, intellectual strength, uh, but those who are very, very good at communicating things that they're passionate about, things that they're really, really learned about. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, you know, they say that, you know, patience is a virtue. <laughs> No, I think, I think the people that are overly patient are losers. That's, I mean, that's true. Oh, if I sit here and wait, something good will happen. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Screw that. That is an overrated virtue. Nah, get rid of it. So wisdom and patience. Wisdom, yes, very much admire it. Patience, you're an idiot. You're waiting at the end of the line. Why are you in that line? Line up somewhere else with a smaller line. Talk your way to the front. Yeah. Sneak in. You do a lot of that, don't you? I do. 
<laughs> I do. Talk you out of the I was like, yeah, I work here. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually DJing tonight. Oh, so disgusting. I've done that. It's so many lines. Yeah. <laughs> it's like an hour long line. Like, yeah, I have to get up there. I'm, uh, I'm DJing. Yeah, and they're like, so this is Kmart. <laughs> <laughs> Just buy your toys and get out of here. <laughs> um, but yeah, patience, nah, overrated. Cool. And who was the first person you remember looking up to as a child? Oh, big one. David Attenborough. I remember watching his nature documentaries as a young lad, uh, very, very, very young. And I thought that he was a rock star, you know? And it's funny because when people ask me that question, people generally think that I'm going to answer with a musician. But I thought that David Attenborough was the coolest dude in the world. He was getting up there with the animals. He was even back then really worried about saving the world, but not the world for humans. Screw them. They had their chance. He wanted to save the polar bears, the gorillas, the chimpanzees. Man, that guy was... But he does kind of care about the world for humans as well, right? I actually don't think he does. You don't think he does? No. I think that's a facade. I think that he's like, man, to save the animals, I need to play the game. Yeah. And I need to go, to save all of humanity, Yeah. we must make a change. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and that's the only way he can get through to dumbass humans. Yeah. Because we are like a virus that has taken over the world. I know that's probably a little bit insensitive to use language like that, but humans are a virus. Agent Smith had it right. All we do is breed and spread. And so uh, if humans are a virus, then what's coronavirus? It's a virus on a virus. It is the cure, Tom. <laughs> no, that's too dark. Um, <laughs> I mean, gosh, if we are to get quite serious, you know, nature has a way of leveling everything out. And it's one thing, it's like a a very, very interesting philosophy on humans is that, you know, we're not trying to save the planet by reducing the damage of climate change. You know, it's like we're not trying to to save the earth and, and, and the animals and the trees. It's like, no, 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 no. By trying to reverse climate change, we are trying to save humans because the earth will be fine. But if we cause a cataclysmic nuclear winter and all the plants on earth die, humans will be wiped out. And once that happens, life will find a way. And yeah, the earth will be fine. Quoting Jurassic Park. I am, I am. I am definitely quoting Jurassic Park. But, you know, earth will regenerate. Yeah, it's already gone through, you know, ice ages. It's already gone through asteroids and volcanoes exploding, blotting out the sun. Things have happened and the earth has returned to its, you know, homeostasis. Mm. But humans, we, out with the old and with the new, there'll be some other species that will take over the planet in a few billion years. What do you think would be next? The next... Like, you know, we've had dinosaurs, the age of dinosaurs, the era of humans, and what do you think is next? I mean, if you believe QAnon, our lizard overlords... I don't tend to. uh, I mean, the the (laughs) lizard overlords are already taking over. Uh, But what do I think that's going to be next? I think that a much more primitive life uh, will take over the world. Insects, maybe? Like amphibians and moss and... Moss. Oh, uh, moss. Just like really complex. Like rhyme moss. Flora. I I don't think that, I think that Earth will be, will be taken over by a life that we can't even imagine. You know, in our primitive ape-like minds, 
Yeah, we won't. Are you talking about from to... another planet? No, no. I think, oh, the, I think about... organisms yeah. will will mutate and evolve, and it'll look nothing like humans. And I think that all mammal-like creatures will end up being killed by our selfishness. God, I got so deep and dark. Whoa. But um, yeah, I think that that's it. Good start. <laughs> so let's talk about television. <laughs> Who's your favorite pop star? <laughs> Actually, I do have a question that's along those lines, but with music, yeah. I always wanted to ask you. It's a popular question that I've heard some people be asked sometimes. Is there a band that you always find yourself, it could be band or artist, that you always find yourself defending that most people don't like? Oh, that is a really good question. I like that one because I'm going to say, and this might be a surprise, but I talk about the Veronicas a lot. You know their songs. Yeah, I do, yeah. Come on, baby, we ain't gonna live forever. Yes, I'm aware of that song. I feel so untouched. Genie's pop songs. Mm. Now, those two girls, I think, are the most underrated musicians in Australia. They are so good live. Are they still they making are, music? I think they're still making music. Mm. But I think that what happened is that they got put into this pop sphere but they were the biggest screamo metalheads. They are so good at doing rock shows and rock growls and ah, like it is insane. And I think that if they were put in a different scenario, another picked up by some sort of other group of musicians, instead of being the pop starlets that they are, I think they both would have been the the leads and the fronts of some heavy metal band. And I actually don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that they'll return with a savage rock and roll album. Mm. And their pop fans will be like, eh? Mm. <laughs> but, but their pop fans would have grown up by now and, you know, yeah. supposedly wouldn't care maybe or I don't know. Yeah, but I, I'm like more around the lines like Slipknot, Ramstein, The Used, like that mm. kind of kill switch engaged yep. realm of music is where I, I think that they're at. Right. And I'm hoping that they will come out with the Screamo album that we deserve from the Veronicas. Well, let's hope they're listening. Yeah. <laughs> I'll send it to them. <laughs> what about, uh, what about the, the inverse of that question? So is there someone that, that everybody likes that you think are overrated? <laughs> Oh, God, that's a dangerous question. Yep. Uh, Guy Sebastian, not that nice. Nah, he's nice. I'm, I'm joking. He's a really good dude. Um, <laughs> Delta Goodrum, so wholesome. Evil streak. Anthony Kalia. Nah. Are you just listing idol contestants? No, I like, am. What is Delta Goodrum was an idol contestant. Really? He's an actress. Oh. Um, all of these people are really lovely people. The, I mean, if I were to answer honestly, um, I would probably get into trouble. But I think there are some bands that um, are getting played everywhere and I'm like, I don't get it. Mm. You're vanilla as hell. Right. Shut up. Any of them that you wouldn't get in trouble for mentioning? All of them I'd get in trouble for mentioning because, like, they'd be friends of their friends or I know them personally, I'll drink mm. with them and be like, hey, I like you guys as people. Yeah. Come out from under the bus I just threw you under. You're so vanilla. Yeah. But I can't say that. Because they're like, oh, why don't you try making music? I'm like, how come it? That's why I DJ. <laughs> don't you play bass? Oh, yeah, G, 
G you F just play G? Oh, okay. Yeah. Can't play slide. slide but you're, you're a, you don't need to play an instrument because you're quite a charismatic person. Mm. I actually wanted to ask you, is do you ever have a one story that you have up your sleeve at all times for when there's an awkward situation socially? No. No? But I've got lots of stories. I mean, there okay, are so there stories about, like, you know, anything from stealing boats to explosive diarrhea in Mexico <laughs> to um, kidney stones in Brazil to the hottest chili in the world. I mean, there are a lot of stories. Would you like to give us one of them? Well, take your pick from those four. Okay, I'm going to go with, what were they again? There was the boat. There was a diarrhea. Uh, stealing, stealing boats. Yeah. Stealing a bus. Uh-huh. Uh, the hottest uh, chili in the world, um, explosive diarrhea, or uh, a kidney stone, um, which I had to urinate, um, which was uh, the size too big, which was awful. <laughs> All of them are embarrassing and none of them I would generally say on camera usually because... I'm going to go with stealing a boat. Okay. Yeah. Uh, admittedly, uh, I was quite tanked with my friend and we came home and we took a bottle of rum from my cupboard and we walked down to Balmoral Beach and we went into the sailing club and we found a rowboat and we stole the rowboat and we rowed the boat over Sydney Harbour in the middle of the night, drinking nothing but rum. Only about an hour into this journey did we realise how obscenely dangerous this was. We are in the middle of Sydney Harbour at night time. There's still like boats flying past. How big is this boat? It is a rowboat, Tom. Like it's it like tiny. what I'm imagining you in this small dinghy kind tiny. of thing. Like that's what it is, right? It's a boat that they have to row out to other sailboats. Right, to boats that there. ought to be on yeah. the harbour, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> we're, in, we're in the middle of the harbour and we're like, this is bad. One of the oars breaks and we're like, we could die. For this and the entire time we were talking like pirates yeah and that became unfunny when we realized we could die but we didn't let the panic get into us so we continued to talk like pirates to the very end we turned up sometime in the morning four hours later at manly beach and then we got out and we're like oh god this is a terrible idea and we got um the uh yeah, a taxi home. But we called the police to tell them that we'd stolen the boat because we were overcome with guilt. And uh, we're like, hello, <laughs> this is Captain Clayton. That's not my real name. <laughs> Why are we talking like a pirate? Well, we stole a boat. <laughs> we just wanted to tell you. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> and there's an anonymous line. So, yeah, we called the... Um, an, an anonymous boat stealing line. Yeah, well, the police line, if you give them a tip. Just, yeah, just heads up to everyone watching. If you do anything illegal or you see something illegal and you don't want to tell them your name, there is an anonymous line. You can tip them off yeah. and it won't come back to you legally. So, is that right? Yeah, we were honest. We, we told them that we stole the boat. And um, What happened when one of the orb broke? Like, did you just go in circles for a Good ages? question. Yeah. I kept it and I kept the, the end of the uh, – and my friend didn't realise. Yeah. And then 10 years later – I got that framed and it hang, it's hung on his wall as a trophy of friendship. That's great. Yeah. And so he's got that <laughs> to his day yeah, like against the wall. That's awesome. Hey! <laughs> Very good. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
I was going to circle back to uh, your... <laughs> the pissing out a kidney stone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, eating a chili and then... No, I'm not actually going to say. <laughs> I was going to ask... I wanted to ask you about... Uh, you got into the work you were doing for Channel V quite young. Yes. And were there... Can you remember like the first moment that you had to speak in front of a large group of people or a crowd or something like that? Yes. And I'm not talking about uh, grabbing the mic. I'm talking about like an actual when you were paid to do something. Yes. Yeah. And were you fearful about that? Terrified. Yeah? It's the worst. It's terrible. It's so unnatural. Mm. Oh, my God. I mean, uh, I was super, super young uh, and they got me to hype up the crowd for I think it was like the used or something, mm -hmm. maybe like Foo Fighters or something. Like, hey, talk to the crowd. And you know, I remember just going out and there's like a sea of people my age. And I feel felt like an imposter. Mm. Like, hey, everybody, hey, kids. <laughs> like, it's like, shut up, dude. Yeah. Um, but were it got you, easier. Were you 16? I was 16. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I, w I was 16, and. When I started doing it like proper, proper, when I was like on television, mm. I remember we were doing this show called The Bus Show. And um, at that stage, I was working with Channel V, like going to after school, turning up to VHQ, doing stuff, and then going back to school, you know, doing normal things. And then as soon as I finished high school, year 12, you know, that was like turning 18, I was like 17, turning 18. And that's when they're like, all right, we want you to work. And I'm like, great. And, you know, I remember coming out on the stage doing our, one of our bus shows up on the Gold Coast and there was just like, yeah, see people and they're like on television and, and, you know, I'd panic and I'd say stupid things. At one stage, I, you know, it was a different time. I remember coming from an all-boys school, if something was bad, it was gay. Yeah. And, I, you know, you don't mean no homosexual. Of course not, yeah. Yeah. You know, oh, it's gay. Mm. And in my teenage vocabulary, someone was like yelling something. I'm like, oh, that guy said he was gay. Mm. And like, and Yumi Stein, so I was doing the show with, it's like, oh, what do you mean by that, Danny? Are you, are you saying that being gay is bad? I'm like, no. <laughs> oh, oh, no. And I just remember how mortified I was. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's, that's not, a, oh, no. And then Yumi Stein's just like, what everyone heard you said that that guy's gay as if that was an insult yeah like, oh no this is this is going sideways i just remember the panic my little <laughs> oh my god i've been embarrassed in television <laughs> it's just so funny mm. but it was okay because for the next you know three or four shows we did um Yumi Steins would make me make out with dudes in the show <laughs> so just to make sure everyone knew i wasn't homophobic <laughs> but it was yeah it was a baptism by fire yeah and it was Scary. How have you, like, historically handled dealing with fear like that? Um, this is so dumb. I think of Freddie Mercury. Is that right? Yeah. Naked or? Not naked. Okay. No, I mean, are you naked when you think of Freddie uh, I mean, I have been naked <laughs> when I've thought of Freddie Mercury. But I think of nothing really matters. Yeah, that's it. Right. We're just a sack of beef spinning around on a celestial rock. So your, your tactic is to kind of take a more macro view of everything and kind of say, well, you know, yeah, there's, really there's not too much important downstream of my actions, so it's just, just yeah. throw caution to the wind or... I'd, done, I'd made so many mistakes when I first started at Channel V 
it was just like mistake after mistake. And I'd been, people didn't like me when I first started at Channel B. And I was like, initially they're like, who the hell is this kid? We don't like him, get him off, he sucks. And yeah, people used to send in messages to the boards and like just be abusive. And you know, I copped it so hard that everything after that, I was like, eh, I, you know, they already hate me. Mm. And then when they started to like me, I'm like, oh, they like me now. But I'm like, nah, it's the same, you know, really. And it made things much easier. Being like, oh, it doesn't really matter if they hate me or they don't. And yeah, I think that it's much easier. It was much calmer. It's like, take a breath. And like, and also, it's like, this advice I give to anyone who goes out on stage, it's like, just have fun. You know, even if you, if you, if you have fun and you're doing a shit job, you still had fun. Mm, that's <laughs> true. Generally, if you're having a good time, it ends up being a good performance. So. Do you think there's a, like a knock-on effect as well from having, it almost gives you confidence in not caring what happens. Yeah. And therefore that confidence uh, has a domino effect with opportunities because you say yes to things more often, you do things, you just uh, suck opportunity up like a sponge if you're more confident. Yeah. So it has a, like a domino effect in a way or? Definitely. And, and it doesn't hurt to have a lot of flying hours mm. where you get accustomed to unusual circumstances. And it's interesting, it was like Hayden James was playing a show in Vegas mm. and just as he was about to go out, he discovered that his warm-up guy or the, the dude prior to him, mm. the set he was following was Bill Nye, the science guy. So he think, thinking... Bill Nye was DJing? No, no, no. Okay. He was doing a show. So instead of having a DJ like playing music and everyone dancing and then Hayden James playing, Bill Nye, the science guy, was going, okay, so you're here on the earth and you're spinning at this speed. Yeah. And everyone's going, Bill, 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 Bill. No one's listening. And they love Bill. But there's this full-on 30, 40-minute set of just science and Hayden has to go out. And there's like 30, 40,000 people. So Hayden's about to go out and Hayden's what? like, yeah, it was massive. Why was Bill Nye crazy? Giving, it, like, was pretty, it was pretty good though. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it was great. But like, that's a strange thing to have it. A, it was it a festival? It was a massive festival in Vegas. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it was funny because Hayden is like 30 seconds from going out. He's like, oh, shit, 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 shit. Danny, can you go out? And I'm like, yep. <laughs> I just walked straight out, picked up the microphone, and there was uh, like 40,000 people. Yeah. And I just remember feeling how like just at home I felt. Yeah. Like, what's up, Vegas? Hey, guys, are my friends. And I was like, woo. And I just remember having so much fun. I'm like, how good was Bill? Bill was sick. But guess what? It's time for the smooth, deep house tunes of my friend Hayden James. <laughs> And it's just going into this kind of big up for Hayden. And I just remember feeling like it was my happy space. Like yeah. everyone would probably be mortified to be in front of 40,000 people without, you know, something to say. Yeah. Even something just ready in the noggin. And I just remember going from zero to being in front of 40,000 people with a microphone with little knowledge of what was going to come out of my mouth. Mm. And I just remember, God, I like this. This is fun. I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> so then what makes you nervous these days? Uh, really silly things. Expectations. <laughs> like yeah. 
don't know. What about, what, about about when you, what about when you hurt your back? Did you, did you ever have uh, fears that it wasn't going to, like you weren't going to recover? I had a very bizarre scenario in the hospital when they said that they were essentially because I couldn't feel my feet and then a doctor said that it was it looked like I was never going to be able to walk again. And when that happened, the first thought that came to mind, I know this sounds ridiculous, was like a positive thought. And I, I literally thought, man, I did so much. Like I got to do so many great things. I got to you know, rock climb and travel and surf and snowboard and skate and run, run, run. I'm like, oh gosh, I had a really good go at it. I had a really good go at having legs. And it's bizarre because that was where I went. And, I, and it was almost like I became like this like, drunk off this like rush of adrenaline and euphoria. I was like, oh God, it was like this mixed state of panic, dread, and like, oh God, this is this is where. Oh, don't worry, I'll figure out what I'm gonna happen. Like after, what, I'm gonna figure out a way to live a good life. Um, and then you know, I remember getting put out, and when they put the, this needle in me and they put me in this coma, and they said count down from ten, and I, I remember going ten, and that was it. And then I woke up, and I woke up, and I'm like, where am I? I have no idea where I am. Oh shit! Oh shit! Oh, can't walk, can't walk, the rest of my life, that's it, it's all over. And then I went to this dark place and I had this really awful feeling. It's like, am I going to be able to have kids? I'm like, can I have kids? I'm like, oh, no, I'm never going to be able to have kids. I'm like, oh, I'm like, am I going to find love? I'm like, I don't know. And I'm like, oh, I can feel my legs though. And I remember looking at my toes and then... I gave my, my toes a wiggle. I was like, <laughs> screw that guy. That guy's a dick. That guy's a dick. He's wrong. <laughs> I'm going to walk again. Everything's fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> screw this guy. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I got put in a cast and, um, and uh, had a lot of agony. Yeah. After that. Lightning bolt through my entire body for a long time. You would, if, if you were in a wheelchair, you'd rue the day that you saw me again because I already push you around. Yeah. It would have been worse. <laughs> yeah, shit. <laughs> and how was that that after that, uh, the period when you got out of hospital? Really painful. Um, really, really quite painful. Uh, very, very scary. Um, I was very much in love with a girl at the time. Um she was very, very patient and she was very, very good. And, you know, to this day, I still love her for it. Um, and she helped me through what was, you know, pretty, like, one of the darkest times of my life. And, and, you know, patience, one of the worst virtues. But she had it. Uh, she was very, very patient and um, she was kind uh, to me. And, yeah, came out the other side stronger than... Uh, before, you know, so yeah. started training a lot, got really, really strong and uh, probably went too, too far. Uh, With the training? Well, yeah, it became one of those gym idiots. Like, yeah. no, I've got to get my gains. <laughs> no, I need protein. Uh, Just, was, that, was that during the period where you had the really long beard that used to annoy yeah. you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a terrible Terrible period. beard. No, it was yeah. a terrible period. Yeah, terrible life. period. 
of your life because of me. Yeah. yeah. Of my life because of you having yeah. that really long beard. Yeah. I, I definitely became more of a jerk. Yeah. I was going to the gym in the morning for like yeah. an hour and a half and then gym in the afternoons. Ooh. Got really shredded. Yeah. And then got kidney stones because I kept on sucking down protein shakes. Oh, that's where the kidney stones came from. That's where it came from. Jesus. Because I was hitting up like four scoops of protein a day. Yeah. Four, Tom. Well, I don't know what the... I, it's I all just calcium. I don't know what... So I had calcium stones in my kidneys. Right. Them out. Okay. And to describe that... Fairy tale time, guys. Yeah, let's do it. It's like a ball covered in razors, and you have yeah. to piss that out, your urethra, yeah. after it's shredded its way through your kidneys. So as it's coming out, your, your piss tube. That sounds fun. Imagine, and this mm. is what I imagined, yeah. as it was coming out of my tube, yeah. I imagine this little guy with his hands like covered in claws, and he's going, ah! and he's just like holding his way, and, yeah. and he just drags his claws down your piss tube. <laughs> And it hurts the whole way. And you feel it. And you're just going, <gasps> I mean, my God. So how do you avoid having one of these things now? Drink a lot of water. Just drink a lot of water. Drink a lot of water. Drink a lot of, this makes me want to drink water right now. Um, uh, drink a lot of water. Drink uh, apple cider vinegar. When it, drink got, apple it, cider vinegar? Yeah, like little shots. When it, get, it got to the, because I had to pee every day. And I'm mm. peeing blood, Tom. It wasn't good. Yeah. And when it got to the end of my piss tube, on the start of it, I should say, the, 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 the peeing thing, because you're peeing, you're going, pss, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that just stops. So you're going, pss, oh, it's locked up. And it blocks. Whoa. And that's when you know. And you ah, 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 oh, no. Oh, yeah. and, and it comes out pretty slow. But then when it gets to the end, it goes, yeah. foop, like a little cannonball. Oh, Pew. my God. Terrible. Oh, I'm, I'm you know. My, my willy hurts telling this story. <laughs> oh. I'm kind of glad I didn't pick that story out of all those stories. Yeah, that wasn't even the story. Um, that wasn't the story. because no, that, <laughs> that, that is the story. Oh. <laughs> Prior to that, though, I, I kept on vomiting because of the pain. Yeah. <laughs> so I had, I had these, like, heavy endone yeah. painkillers. I couldn't keep them down. I'm like, ah, bleh, and I'd swallow more and then vomit them out. <laughs> and I remember going, ah, oh, <laughs> looking at it and going, <laughs> second knuckle <laughs> what was it had to go right up yeah so basically the science of it works yeah. is like so you push it up your bum yeah and then you push it up to, to up to the second knuckle yeah and then the hand of god comes yeah. down and goes <laughs> <laughs> takes it from yeah. you and then the pain goes away. Yeah. I just remember. Do you still take MDMA? <laughs> no. No, no, no. This was Endone. Yeah. Terrible drug, which I would actually, you couldn't pay me to take Endone. Yeah. Even if I was in a lot of pain, I yeah. couldn't, I'd actually rather grit my teeth and bear it. Terrible drug. Yeah. Awful. Wow. Yeah. Sorry um, for swear. We. Well, there is no, you know, so we're just. Cool. We're wherever we are. Great. So let's talk about my favorite meals to cook for a date. Okay. No, not actually. I was just joking. Do you, do you cook, cook meals for a date? No. We well, usually just, take just people... breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> hey, oh, boom, 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 boom. Um, no, no. You, don't, you order it in, don't you? Well, yeah, I, I, I don't cook breakfast for dates because I'm too self conscious. Like, I'd be too shy to cook. Yeah. Um, I think. Like, you're an exquisite cook. I love your cooking. Thank you. And I'm uh, constantly in awe of your cooking, your slow-cooked beefs, your sauces, your chili. Sure. I just and – and, and, like, when, you know, when I'm at your house, 
and you're and you're cooking up a storm. I, you know, not to be overly complimentary because I know how much you hate it, but I do like really admire your your finesse. Um, My finesse. Yeah. That's never. That's not something anyone has ever said to me before. They no. admire my finesse. Your finesse. I'm one of the least finessed persons. No, <laughs> when it comes to the kitchen, man, yeah. I, I like the, I think that you have a very strong skill in finding delicate flavour. Yeah, and so that's it, a good thing. So if you give me a wine mm-hmm. and it's an Aldi bottle mm-hmm. and then you get a really, really fancy bottle, I'll probably go... Oh, they're both pretty good, mate. Yeah. But you That's like, funny because I've just been giving you the Aldi wine every time you come over. Yeah. But, I mean, you could and you go, like, this is a $200 bottle. And I'd probably yeah. go, oh, I can really taste the flavours. <laughs> but you, but, like, you, you you can actually describe wine with great detail. No, I don't know. I'm not that great at it. I, no. I, I mean, I know a little bit here and there, but I, some some of it I think is a little bit too much, don't you think? Yeah. Like oh, when you like cough, it gets <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, like even where, do you Matt Moran with his you would cravat. <laughs> yeah, no, it's my I, man. I, I don't. <laughs> it, it, it does. That's Sorry, a very good impression. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know much about Matt Moran or what he's. Master Chef. Yeah, I thought Matt Moran is the guy that owns uh, Chiswick and stuff. Are you talking about the guy with the cravat? Isn't that someone else? Oh, is yeah. wrong. Matt Moran's the guy that rides motorcycles guy. and he's bald. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, look at me. What's what's the guy's name? The the cravat wearing. Gentleman from Masterchef. I don't. The, the one where like his neck. Yeah, yeah. His neck and his chin meet. Oh god. Yeah. I think people that get a little bit too far into it. Mm. Uh, you know how you showed me those uh, videos that you had um, that you guys found. My naughty videos. No, we don't no, talk about no, the naughty. Well, they are the naughty. Depends who you're asking. Mm. But all of that Penfolds Grange that you found. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, a, a, a friend's father has a case of this, you know, bottles of wine which are like two thousand dollars each. Yeah, and he's got dozens. So, so here's my thing, right? If I tried mm. one of those, and I, I haven't tried Grange, mm. but I'm pretty confident that if I tried it, I wouldn't be able to taste the difference between like that and let's say just a two hundred dollar bottle of wine or a hundred dollar bottle of wine, maybe. Okay. I think you're wrong. Really? I tried. I went on a very, very fancy boat. Yeah. With a very, very fancy company. Mm-hmm. And they did have one of those bottles. Uh, the Grange ones. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I remember thinking, you know, it's wasted on me. I'm yeah. not know about wine. Mm. And I remember drinking this glass of wine and it tasted like velvet. Yeah. It was like pouring happiness down my throat. Like, <laughs> Oh, this is amazing. But I think that even if you're not good at wine, you'd still say, oh, no, no, that's a really, really lovely wine. Oh, I'm sure you would say But I think that everything, lovely, yeah. everything in between, that's all the same. Squish grape. Well, is it at what, at what point does it become diminishing returns? Like after, you know, is it $150? If you double that, is it twice as good? I mean, really? I'm no sommelier, but, you know, I think that anything above $30, mm. And it's all the same, you right. know. I think I think thirty bucks, pay thirty bucks. But you said the Grange was velvet. Yeah, but, but I mean, you wouldn't I mean, pay two grand for it. But but when you get to yeah. that, when you get to that really, really, really high end, it's like, all right, maybe. Okay. But anything. You know. How much of what you eat and drink and enjoy do you think is about the story? And I don't just mean the story of what you're consuming, but 
who you're consuming it with, where the environment, all that sort of stuff. Most of it, 90% yeah. of it. So I did invite you to a dinner. Yes. Uh, and I paid a lot of money for you to attend. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you, you didn't come because you had a one-year-old's birthday to go Well, to. you told me the wrong date. No, no, no. I sent you the right date. It's in texts. Is I got it? the receipts. No, yeah. no, I'm not talking about the text. I'm sorry. You said it to me Yeah, in but the then moment. I sent you the invite, Tom, and it had the right date. Yes, but here's the thing, right? I didn't properly read the date on the email because you said the date to me uh, and yeah. I said, hey, I've got a one-year-old's yeah. birthday party. All right. You see? Let's agree to disagree. It no, let's not nice... disagree. That's what fucking happened. Okay. Let's disagree. You stood what, me up. What are we disagreeing on? I'm just saying I sent you the details. Look, we could get caught up in this for a long <laughs> we're time. We're already caught up in it. Would have liked you to have been there because yeah. you would have enjoyed yourself. Didn't you say there's going to be a next one? There will be another one, but like another six months. <laughs> I don't anyway, think I can afford to get my photo. We digress. <laughs> they make me give you a backhander. <laughs> The party was really amazing. Yeah. Every time food came out, it's like, oh, this is uh, a lovely uh, fish <clears throat> sustainably caught from this guy mm-hmm. who only catches uh, fish using a hand reel and yep. all these great stories, every meal, and it yeah. made it so much more enjoyable. The company was fine. We chatted. We laughed. The banter was good. Every ma- wine was matched with the meal. Mm. And we were drinking champagne that was the same champagne that was from the Titanic, the same brand, same I remember type. you said that. Yeah, and yeah. it was just great. Did they, the did they send someone down to divers to pick it up or was it? Yeah, they yeah. did. It's cold down there. Yeah. So it was kept quite fresh. Of course. Um, but the, the same brand, same type. Yeah. And knowing that made it really enjoyable. It's like we're drinking history. Yeah. And not we're all on a sinking ship together? No, not, no. not about to die okay. in the cold, cold, icy depths of the Arctic. And uh, Jack isn't going to get shoved off that door frame when there was plenty of room, but Rose was selfish and decided to murder Jack. Take it up with James Cameron, man. Will do. But um, <laughs> it is all about the story. And, and I remember feeling like such great joy because of the company, the food and the wine. It was lovely. Yeah. And it was expensive. Mm. But... Mm. A few weeks earlier, I was sitting on the grassy knoll down at Bondi. Yeah. My dear friend Jim, who's getting married tomorrow, and we had 20 buck fish and chips and six pack, and we watched a storm roll in. Mm. And I experienced such great joy just watching this storm with my close friend Jim Finn and his soon-to-be bride, Dom, and my housemate, Ollie. And it was just really, really beautiful. And you don't need expensive meals and expensive grapes. Sure, you don't, but the story is built in as well. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's the same, it's like for like in those two situations, right? Yeah. I mean, is you, you have one cheap and simple experience and one yeah. expensive one, but the fact that they both have a story to them. 100%. And the thing is that, like, if we are to get philosophical, one of my favourite philosophers and uh, ancient uh, Greek philosopher uh, being Epicurus, and he spawned the Epicurean way of living. And it is all about wine actually it's like based in wine because they love their wine Mm. and his whole kind of ethos behind the epicurean life is that cheap grapes with good company Mm. is more important than the finest of wines in the world and no company at all yeah i agree with that and and it's almost (laughs) this this incredible lesson that everyone right now has with in like with certain circumstances aside the majority of the world right now has everything that they need to live the happiest of their lives. You know, people are always wanting more. Ah, oh, if only I had, 
you know, sports car or only had this or had that. It's like they keep wanting, but... Why do you think that is? I think it's the way that we've been programmed. I think that humans are taught to always want more instead of being completely happy with what they've got. Taught by whom? I think that we are products of our environment. I think that, you know, the mass media is conditioning people to buy things, to want things, to be Oh, you mean the entertainment industry? The entertainment industry, of course. Yeah. But there are, there are therapists that work exclusively with the 0.01% of the world. And they say that even when you talk to the billionaires hmm. and you ask them about their problems, money is still a problem. Because no matter how rich these people are, they're like, oh, I've got this $300 million boat, but oh God, if only I could, I'm just short of this $500 million boat. Hmm. They still want more. And here's the thing, money, you don't complete money. You don't earn a certain amount of money and go, all right, I'm done. You can keep trying to chase more, 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 more money. But at some point, you just got to go, man, I'm happy. I'm happy now. It's kind of relative, isn't it? I mean, we, we think of obscenely rich people as having those problems as it being quite obnoxious. But, I mean, mm. we would look obnoxiously rich to most people in third world countries. Of course. Like just they would be like, you know, oh. The guy's got a motorcycle and he's, you know, worried yeah. about how much he's getting on his next contract. It's like, what yeah. a dick. And if we're like, well, no, that's yeah. a reasonable thing to worry about in our society. Of course. But if you're living in Australia mm. and you have a few hundred bucks. I do, I do and I, I have. Yeah. Not on me, but yeah. You are, you're looking pretty, you're looking pretty. <laughs> that's it. You are looking pretty. We've got a great healthcare system. <clears throat> we, we do, yeah. We do take care of our community for mm. the most part. Yeah. And, man, I think that everyone should thank their lucky stars that we are in, you know, a country like Australia. I always do. I mean, I'm thinking about, like, what happened to me and going through the hospital system for a year and a half and the tab completely being picked up by the Australian government. Been meaning and, to talk to you about that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You've been that asked. Is, that's a, some of my taxes. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I thought you meant Scott asked you to ask me. <laughs> I, was, I am yeah. going to say, you're going to have to pay that. You are seeing Tom this afternoon. Yeah. Right? Just, got, yeah. <laughs> Just bring up the issue of the bill. Yeah. Can, I ask you, can I ask you a question? Do you know how much that bill was? No, I don't. Do you, would you have a guesstimation? Uh, I could probably try and work it out uh, based on the day rate of staying in a hospital of course. Uh, plus, you know, what you have to pay surgeons for amputations and I had a lot of skin grafts and things like that. But then, you know, it's an ongoing thing because I, my prosthetic hands are worth 12000 bucks each and 8000 for legs and mm. I break cables all the time and all sorts of shit. So, you know, there's a lot of ongoing cost and, yeah, this country just picks up the tab. Yeah, which it's, uh, yeah. it's worth it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally, yeah. Hundred percent, and because and you get me, yeah, we get you. That was a good investment, Australia. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that in, I don't know what would have happened to you if you were American. Um, well, if I had private health insurance, I guess if you didn't have insurance. If I didn't have insurance. Actually, I don't know. That is wildly dark. Hmm. I mean, they've got they've they've got great healthcare. Yeah, but it's just the access to it is very depending on what kind of insurance you have. Mm. Um, and so, I think you can 
pay up front, like you can fully pay for everything. So that would bring into account the question that you asked before, how much would the tab be? Ridiculous amount of money, I don't know what it would be. Mm. If you had to do it all over again, but you couldn't work in the entertainment industry and you had to pick another field, you had to do something different as a job, what would you pick? I know the answer to this. Like I've got multiple answers. Okay. Um, uh, I have a doctor friend who I admire a lot. His name is Dr. Jack. You know Dr. Jack? Yeah. I love talking to him about medicine. Mm -hmm. I love talking to him about medical procedures. He shows me all of his medical videos and I'm never like, ugh. I find it really fascinating. Mm. I, I think I'd love to be able to help people. I'd love to be a doctor and, and, and be able to do that. But I also don't think that anyone can do it. And I don't know if I could do it mm. besides not being intelligent enough. <laughs> like, I think you have to go to be, school. I, but, you, you know, you have to put in some serious work. They, but, uh, they, they do ask you to attend some school. Some sort of school. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that's definitely something interesting. But then, I've, again, like, these are just people that I admire. I was like, I've got a, another friend. He's a barrister. His name's uh, Ian. Mm -hmm. uh, the Honourable Ian Neal. Mm. Uh, I look up to him a great deal. Mm. And he talks about law and he talks about the way he loves law. Uh, he loves his job and the way that he can help people. I find him as a character interesting and mm. the way that he finds law interesting. And I think if I could have had to redo it again, I mean, maybe that's not a very interesting answer. Yeah, but being a doctor or a lawyer, it's like I sound like any like the parents of a, a Chinese a Chinese student be like, you become a doctor, you become a lawyer. That's it. <laughs> you got two options. <laughs> um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I... But are you happy in the entertainment industry? I love the entertainment industry. I love telling stories. What do you think is the future of the entertainment industry right now? If I knew, Tom, I'd probably be much less anxious. If I had to take a guess, yeah. everything's going streaming. Broadcast television. Of course, yeah. Broadcast television it's time is numbered. Mm. Right now we put a lot of faith and, and you know, our commercial dollars into these big network stations. Mm. They are gone. The moment that streaming services start going, all right, stream all your stuff here, click on the shows you want to watch, but we're also, we've got a live feed to this live event. And when you get to that menu and, and there's a big timer, hey, Coming up live on Netflix is this live concert. Mm. Broadcast network television is gone. And when it happens, it will happen so fast that Richard Wilkins won't be able to comb his hair. <laughs> Koshi yeah. will not be able to change his suit. Uh, it will be fast. It will be quick and yeah, and then this whole new generation of TikTokers and kids. Well, that's that's another thing I was going to ask you as well is that there's so many people, there's a kind of democratisation going on now where, I mean, you're one of these people that, um, if you don't mind me saying, sort of monetizes your Instagram. Not very well, though. Maybe maybe not well, but a lot of people do do that mm. and do it quite well. And so you're kind of removing a middleman between, you know, what used to be an agent or a manager for talent as mm. well. And you're, you're filing everybody into the gig economy uh, based on yeah. some sort of a currency or metric, whether it be their likes or their reach or whatever it is, to which they can, you know, leverage to get more work. Um, where does that leave the people who are in the middle? 
the managers, the publicists, the... Go on. So brands can contact people directly. They can get them to do a ad for quite cheap and see what kind of numbers, what kind of data. Like, I'm working with a company right now and their whole company isn't production. It's analyzing YouTube videos and seeing which YouTube videos have the most reach, which ones hit the audience, where the audience pulls out, what, what intros work the best. Mm. And they've come up with the science behind what is working. Sure, it's a, it's a new world of data. Now. It's a new world yeah. of data. And I think it is really sad. Working with this company right now, they analyze these videos, they say what's popular, they say what's working. And one of the great dangers of this is that we're giving everyone exactly what they want. I don't think that that is necessarily a good thing. When I was doing long form, I'd start telling this story and people be like, all right, where's he going with this? And they had to stick around to get to some sort of conclusion, to be rewarded with something. Vanilla Sky, the film with Tom Cruise and mm. Cameron Diaz and Penelope Cruz, makes no sense for the whole film until the very end. If you try to show someone on TikTok, Vanilla Sky, a TikToker, they'd be like, ah, next. Vanilla Sky is one of my favorite films. Yeah. And I think that when you give people the little crunched down videos, which are these big old dopamine hits, I think it actually trains them up to only consume content like that. And I'm terrified that the future of content, the future of television is all of these bite-sized 30-second videos of yippity-yap. And You sound like an old man. I do. <laughs> I do feel I, I sound like an old man. But okay, there's always going to be room for bigger stories. But I think that... Yeah, I think... I think I think there is room for long-form content. I was having this conversation with someone else recently, but um, there are podcasts now that people listen to for mm. really long periods, longer than they would have listened to the radio, like talk back and things like that. Sure. And there's also different opportunities, uh, conversations that go, when, when somebody commutes and things like that, they have time where they'll listen to something that's long-form. Um, but I think it's just the amount Mm. of content that is now around that people have to become discretionary. They, they, you know, they have to discriminate between I'll give something five seconds and if it's not any good, I've got a million other things that I could watch or mm. could be watching. Whereas, you know, 20 years ago we had three or four channels on television. You sit down, if nothing's on seven, you switch to nine. If nothing's on nine, you switch to ten. And if that's not very good, you have to choose your poison, right? Mm. That's it. So people have got too much option. We're drowning in a sea of mediocrity. Yeah, well, that could be downstream of having too much option, I guess. Yeah. But... I feel like right now you've got... When you're watching a thousand things, when you're listening to a thousand podcasts mm. and you're, you're watching seven different TV shows at once... You're actually, you're not really watching anything. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like when you, yeah, when, when you try when, and multitask, you're not you, really when, doing yeah. anything. Yeah. Yeah. When you're present and you're, and you're, you, you, you're in one thing, you know, you're watching the one show and like, mm. you know, it's like you're watching that. But it's like, it's, I think even though people watch TV these, like these days, like 
you know, they've got their phones out, they've got their iPads out, and they're like browsing Instagram. Yeah, while they're watching show TV, watching. Yeah. It's like, geez, it's like where it's like it? the it's like the sitting and watching of the TV is just an homage to yesteryear. It's like <laughs> we all used to sit here and do this. Here's a yeah. tip of the hat to that, you know, while I check my Instagram. Yeah. But I miss I, I you know, I uh, the communal show watch. Yeah, when mm. the show comes out on Friday at 7:30 and everyone comes around to watch the show. It's like even Game of Thrones was joyous for that. Mm. You know, having to you know, people of course they rip it's the most pirated show of all time. But yeah. Yeah, it was just wild that like, you know, for this little glimmer of a time, people were getting together to watch Game of Thrones together. Mm. But now that movies being released might not even go to cinemas anymore. Mm. They might be going straight to streaming services. Yeah. Have we lost the communal entertainment experience? I, we're going to be losing a lot of the communal everything yeah. uh, as we have, I guess, with COVID and people working more distributed now as well. And then if they're consuming content, they're not going to the movies or something like that. Yeah. I mean, a little bit like the uh, abundance of entertainment. It's like the, the abundance of social interaction. Mm. It's like when you've got you know, 10,000 of your best friends accessible on your phone. Yeah. And it's like you got to, it must be pretty lonely. Well, the other thing is if you know what everyone's up to, you don't have a reason to call them, do you? No. We're, we're essentially heading into an era of just autonomy. Autonomy? <laughs> Even something that freaks me out is like when you've got those preset responses, if someone sends you a text and you can go, oh, hey, cool, call you later. Yeah. You're like, I didn't say that. My Apple Watch said that. Right. You know? Don't you think it's more like we've become this connected world and the first byproduct of that is to completely disconnect us from each other? Mm, yep. Big time. I mean, I'm... That's kind of ironic, don't you think? Oh, yeah. With the powers of the internet, we have the incredible ability to be connected to anyone around the world. But mm. instead, we look at memes and cat videos. I've got two more questions to ask you to round this out. Drop it on me. Um, usually it's three, but I already asked you the, the job question, right? So the second last question is it's kind of similar to the what other kind of job would you do, but it is um, mm-hmm. if you had to live anywhere else outside of Australia, and yes, Bondi, um, <laughs> where would that be? I like that question. So, I mean, I love nature and I, you know, I found Reykjavik, Iceland, so hypnotically beautiful. Mm. And I know, but then there's the Japan, the chaos of Japan, the food in Japan, and it's just so like vibrant and lovely. And then, you know, I, I like LA, but I hate the city. I just like the Venice and the surfing and, 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 but like in the end, if I if I'd be realistic and true, I'd probably say New York. It it really is the city that doesn't sleep. Mm. You know, it's not now. Mm. New York in yeah, a safer sure. period of time, but there's just so much going on. Mm. And I think that everyone, you know, should live in another city once. I mean, you know, it's, but that, I mean that question is so difficult to say. Yeah. You know, London, shitty weather, great people, lovely pub vibes, but. New York probably be the best fit for me. Yeah. Yeah. Doing media in New York seems to be the right choice. But God, I'd miss surfing. You know, not, yeah. not, not much surfing in New York. No. So almost none, I would think. Oh no, yeah, no, 
fun. Are you surf a bit down the Hudson? You can if there's a big ship that comes in and you can catch the wake. Or a, yeah, if a big plane lands in it. Yeah, yeah. maybe a big. Hey, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. But like, but just a drive outside of New York. Like, if you jump in your car and you get out, you know, there's. Really there, there are beaches, right? You know. Well, no, it's just beautiful forests yeah. and, and beautiful cliffs and quite a lot, a lot of nature. Like people think about New York just as yeah, but New York State is mm. incredible. It's a beautiful forests and stuff. Yeah, upstate's so, really pretty. Yeah, I do I do like New York? Okay, and the final question is: if you had to spend an entire day with a clone of yourself. <laughs> What would be the most annoying part of that clone? Well, I'd imagine my my like my clone mm. would be just like a little bit bigger than me and just like a little bit dumber. No, no, he's exactly. No, he's uh, a clone. It's me, Danny. You do so that too well. I uh, I think that my clone would be uh, a bit dumb. No, no, um, your clone is a okay. Clone. Exactly, it's, the same. it has to be you. Yeah, yeah. And, and what would I do with my clone? It doesn't matter. Like you just you spend the day with the clone. Yeah. What is the most annoying thing about the clone to you? <laughs> God, just it's like, yo, clone, just like, shut up, shut up, Jesus. You know what? Like, every single thought in your brain doesn't need to be vocalized. Like, you know, sometimes you can just keep it to yourself. Yeah. God, you're so annoying. Well, thanks very much for sitting with me. Am I? The clone? Am I the real Danny or am I the clone Danny? I don't know. I'm the clone, aren't I? I'm gonna, I'm gonna go stare at myself in the mirror. And go, you are the real Danny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's dark. <laughs>